You're listening to the Calm Collective Podcast, and I'm your host, Cassandra. This show was created with the sole intention to bring forth human connection, a space for you to be truly heard, felt, and understood. Here, we dive deep into experiences with grief and loss, growth and expansion, and the human experience as a whole through candid conversations. My mission is to leave no stone unturned so that together we can be reminded day in and day out that we're never in any of this alone, that the ability to create a life that we love, a life that we deserve is within us. Welcome to another episode of the Calm Collective Podcast. I'm Cassandra, and I'm so excited for today because Danielle of The Mindful Blonde is back on the podcast to talk all things mindful motherhood. But what's really beautiful is that this honestly segues into so much more than that. It really is um, talking so much about identity to self and radical self-acceptance, something that Danielle and I have talked about in the past. I think it was episode 67 when she was first on. And her approach to her life now as a mother versus her life pre-motherhood, not much has changed. And I don't I know that that's not an accident after talking to her. And so I really think that this episode will be so expansive um, for anyone, truly anyone who's going through any sort of change. Um, for those of you who are preparing for motherhood, for those of you who are in motherhood. And with all of that being said, I do want to take just a moment to honor and send so much love to the hopeful mothers out there who might be having a hard time. Um, turning that into a reality. I, I see you and I am with you and just send so much love and light to you and just want to be fully transparent and say that this episode could be a little bit triggering um, as Danielle talks about her pregnancy experience and her birth story um, and things like that. So um, I just want to be sensitive to everyone's journey who's listening to this podcast and feel like that is very important to um, preface before we jump into the show. Another thing that I wanted to remind you of is that I am now holding one-on-one sessions. For those who are looking for extra guidance and support, there is one called the Gentle Grieving Sessions, and this is to hold safe and secure and loving space for anyone who is going through the grieving process, who is living a life alongside grief, and is having trouble integrating it into their new normal. Um, This can be a really painful process. I know firsthand, and one of the only ways that I got through it was through having that support. Um, And I feel so honored and so called and so thankful to be able to pay that back um, in this way with these these 60-minute sessions. Another offering is the Conscious Clarity Sessions. And these are for people who are going through deep overwhelm, um, frustrations, not sure where to go next, um, feeling like they have a sense of paralysis within their lives, um, and are really just looking for some intuitive guidance. I say this all the time, I will not stop saying it, that we hold all of the answers inside of us. What is so beautiful about having support and reaching out for support is that 
it can just be a catalyst and gentle hands nudging you forward to propel you to exactly where you want to go. A lot of times holding up that mirror for someone is exactly what we need. And that is what I am feeling pulled to do now more than ever with these sessions. So if this speaks to you, if you feel called to work together, I would be so honored. You can just go to thecompcollective.com and book a session there. It is right on the front page. Um, You can also learn more about them on the website as well. I will throw all of those links in the show notes too, just um, in case you're feeling overwhelmed by having to remember the website. So let's get into today's episode with Danielle Shug, all about radical acceptance as a mindful mother. I hope that this uplifts you. I hope you feel expanded. And I hope above all else that you just feel seen, heard, and understood. Danielle, thank you so much for making the space to come back onto the show. I'm so grateful to have you here. I'm so happy to be back. Thank you for having me back. And I can't wait to dive in. Yeah, so a lot has changed since we last spoke last year. You have a beautiful baby girl named Simona. You're a mama. I am. And thank you so much. She is the light of my life. Absolutely. (laughs) She has brought me the most amount of love and joy. I honestly, my heart just could explode at any second every time I look at her I'm like how is this even possible but um I'm really excited to be on this new journey and to step into this new journey I feel like seven months has flown by seriously but uh yeah I people like you're a new mom and I'm like oh I'm seven months it's already new-ish it doesn't feel super new but then again it does so It's been, it's been amazing. Yeah. So before we hit record, you and I were talking and, you know, as I said, I'm not a mother yet myself, but I really wanted to hold some space for all of the be- beautiful mothers out there who listen to this show. I, I mean, it's no secret that I really love your approach to life, your transparency, your journey with mindful living. And as I told you, I had this light bulb moment where I felt so compelled to reach out to you and to have you come back on to chat all things motherhood, you know, the good, the not so good, and all the little reroutes that you've had to pave for yourself along the way. But before we dive deep into this, for anyone who might be new to you, Danielle, would you mind doing a little introduction as to who you are, where you reside in the world right now, and just what lights you up? Yeah, definitely. So, oh, that's a loaded question. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Step back here. Sure. So I am currently a mom. But prior to that, and I feel like that's like title holds so yes. much power in my We will life right still now. get into that. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I um I grew up in Canada and I went to school in Canada and then fast forward a little bit, I met my husband and then moved away after doing long distance for six years. We lived in the US and then I got to experience living in like I just mentioned, the U.S. for a little bit, and then we moved to Europe. And then we have bounced around Europe now for the last five years. We've lived in Riga, Latvia, lived in Germany, we've lived in Finland, we're currently in Denmark, and throughout that whole 
travel experience, I left my HR corporate job and I became a yoga instructor and I really fell in love with the idea of spirituality and mindfulness. And then I started my online platform and I became a health coach. And with that, I just have kept unraveling Mm -hmm. and just cracking open uh, and sharing my journey, Mm -hmm. which has basically led me here. So I hope that gives a little debrief of uh, my last 30 years of life. Absolutely. Yeah. uh, And and then in terms of what lights me up, I think I'm doing it right now. Mm -hmm. It's just sharing and really allowing myself to become vulnerable and holding this type of space for myself and others so that they can do the same. Absolutely. And you do it so beautifully. And I definitely encourage anyone who's listening to go back. Danielle was on the episode or episode 67, uh, where she talks all things radical self-acceptance, releasing control. And there's just so much wisdom within that episode. So definitely I encourage you to go back and listen to that. You'll get a lot more for who Danielle is and what she practices and what she believes in. So I loved that episode so much. And it got so much love from the community, which was amazing. Yeah. So first, okay, let's dive in. I'd love to know how was your pregnancy journey and what was that experience like for you? Yeah. So the pregnancy journey was, I don't know if this is a popular opinion, but I loved it. And Mm. I honestly, truly, truly loved being pregnant. I say this all the time. I'm like, I could be pregnant forever. I just really oh, wow. had a great experience. The The beginning for me was a little trying. At times I had like, you know, nausea and I would be really extremely tired, but nothing that was, you know, life-changing. I mm-hmm. could accept it. It was, I, for me, I like embraced it because I knew that, you know, I was growing a life. So mm-hmm. I actually liked feeling a little bit different, even though it wasn't necessarily a positive feeling. Um, it, it, for me, I just, like I said, really learned to fully embrace that. And then I would say my second trimester was when things really started to shift and change physically for me. Like I finally started to show and I got all this energy back and I really felt like myself, but it's, it's so hard to explain because I mean, in the past episode, I know I had talked and mentioned this, I had gone through so much struggle and had really, really, you know, fought hard against myself for so, Mm -hmm. so long. And pregnancy was the truest me I ever felt. And I don't know if that's something that um, other people can, you know, resonate with, but I really do feel like it showed me my truest self. And Mm. stepping into third trimester for me again just like reiterated that like I was doing exactly what I needed to be doing and what I wanted to be doing and that obviously was becoming a mother but also it just showed me like my potential as like a human and my potential as a woman and Mm -hmm. I just I adored it (laughs) I don't know what else to say besides it was really a great Um, experience for me. And I think for a lot of women, I mean, I'm just speaking on behalf of my experience, the physical um, growth and, you know, your body changes. I felt so free. And instead of feeling like, I know a lot of people feel like self-conscious and feel like, you know, their body is changing and it doesn't necessarily feel like them because obviously you're growing and things are changing and shifting. For me, it was like, 
I just felt like this sense of freedom. Like I have never felt more comfortable in my body than in that time. Mm. And I don't know if it was because I had really come from like a disordered way of eating and a disordered way of looking at my physical body. Not even that um, long after getting pregnant, you know, I had this like super, like you had explained, radical self-acceptance, not shortly after getting pregnant. So, um, I don't know. It was just, like I said, a really great experience for me. That's so lovely. And that actually segues into a question that I really wanted to ask you, um, relating back to our previous episode, you know, the act of releasing control. And so, Let's dive deeper into that, like how that played a role into your pregnancy journey with growing Simona. I imagine it comes down to so much like surrendering and just self-trust. And I think that's sort of what you're touching on is that you felt so connected to your body. Um, Can you kind of talk us through what that experience was like spiritually and mindfully for you? Definitely. So even taking it back before the pregnancy, I felt like connected to whatever pregnancy was going to manifest. Mm. I had manifested my pregnancy, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. So before even getting pregnant, I rem- like I knew I wanted to be pregnant, um, but not like again. Like it was like I would say I got pregnant in November, end of October, and it was probably September where I had said to my husband, like, I think I want to have a baby. (laughs) What are you talking about? Like two months ago or even a month ago, you, that's not something you wanted. So I think I was preparing myself um, and my body mentally before that. And I would be in my meditations. And I remember like this one time specifically, um, being in my meditation, and I know I've talked about him a million times, but I was in, it was a Dr. Joe Dispenza yeah. meditation. And he said, you know, what is the vision of the future? Like, what is your vision of your future? And I envisioned being pregnant. And I remember getting very, very emotional. And mm. I was crying in this meditation. And I'll never forget that meditation. I feel like then and there, I like really connected to that. And Prior to, again, getting pregnant, I had a lot of control issues around food and just controlling Mm -hmm. everything with food and what I put in my body. And I knew that basically recovering from that disordered eating and that disordered mentality in going into my pregnancy, again, it was like this sense of freedom because I was in such a good place with food. So I think a lot of a lot of us are, whether we're pregnant or not, we want to use supplementation or we want to use food or we want to use all these things outside of us to control how we feel inside of us. Mm-hmm. And I, like you said, I just surrendered to the whole experience and I allowed myself whatever it was that I feel I like I felt I needed. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't even necessarily like intuitive. It was more so just like conscious, but conscious in a way that felt like really good. Like if I wanted to eat something that I had never eaten, I was just like, this is for me and this is for the baby. Or if I, and I didn't like panic about, you know, taking the right prenatal or, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe not doing certain things that, you know, maybe a doctor says you shouldn't do. I, I don't know. It was like a full surrender. Mm, That's so beautiful. And like you said, it relates back to just being like feeling free, 
right? Like you, yeah. you know yeah. what is best for you and your body and your baby. So speaking of meditation, I'd love to know how your commitment to meditation played a role in giving birth because this is something that you really just do not, this is like a, a non-negotiable for you, your meditation. And so did this, I guess I, I'll just go ahead and assume that it supported you through your pregnancy and your birth, but I'm curious to hear how from you. Yeah, for sure. So I continue my meditation practice as I was pregnant, and I guess I used it as a tool because we didn't know the sex of Simona. We Mm -hmm. didn't want to find that out. It was going to be a surprise, Mm -hmm. and I just use the meditation like I always do, more so as a manifestation tool than anything. So I would be in my meditation, and I would just envision what life would be like with Mm -hmm. him or her at the Mm -hmm. time and my birth as well. So I, I mean, I've written and spoke about my birth story, Mm -hmm. but I did not have like a birth plan and I'm not a planner by nature. And I knew that I just didn't really want to have any expectations going into birth. I obviously wanted it to be a really great experience. Like I think we all hope for, Mm -hmm. but I just, I didn't have any expectations and I didn't have a plan. So with, again, with my meditation, I would just basically visualize and feel how I wanted to feel and how I wanted my birth to transpire. And I would do that like every morning or every night or when I had the time. And it was always just something that I made sure I did because mm-hmm. I mean, obviously when you're growing a human being, it's takes up a lot of headspace and it is something that you're constantly thinking about. So I think, I don't know if there's not really like a great answer to this. It's just basically I made it a priority to, yeah put out how I wanted it to go versus having a strict concrete plan. I think that's beautiful. And I think there is so much societal pressure around needing to needing to have a plan, right? I think, um, you know, even from the experiences with the women in my life, it's like, that's a normal, that's a normal question and a normal, um, like to do list within being pregnant. And I think that that's a really lovely approach that you took of just like using, using it more as like a manifestation and letting things happen, like the pieces fall where they may. I think that's a really lovely, gentle approach to that, that will possibly help, you know, women who can relate and be like, I'm not a planner. I don't feel good planning this. Like, do I really have to? So I think that's really lovely. Yeah. And again, on the other side of things, if planning is your jam and you're like, I am planner, I need to have this concrete plan. And that makes you feel really good in your body and in your experience. And, you know, through that pregnancy journey, then by all means, I'm not saying don't have a plan. Just for me, I felt exactly like you said, this societal pressure. Everyone's like, so what's your plan? What's your plan? And I'm like, Uh, my plan (laughs) is to have a happy, healthy baby. Yeah, exactly. And however (laughs) that happens, great. Yeah. Yeah, that's and, beautiful. You know, I really, again, I think it came from having so much control for so long or yeah. trying to control so many things in my life. I used the pregnancy as a way to release all control and continue mm. to release control. And it just has really, and it did really work in my favor because that control and that anxiety that I used to live by didn't give me the things that I wanted and then learning to release that and continuing to release it has me to this place of just happiness and peace so oh I love that that so much 
So I do want to go into your birth story here in a second, but I I do have a question that just popped up that I want to ask. Is there something um, that you realized or experienced during your pregnancy that no one told you or that we don't often hear about as a collective when it comes to pregnancy? Was, Was there like a moment where you were like, whoa, no one told me that it would be like X, Y, or Z? Honestly, I think for me, I never really hear great experiences when it comes to pregnancy. Like that was what I didn't really understand while I was pregnant. Because for me, I'm like, this is amazing. Mm -hmm. This is a beautiful experience. Again, the whole, like the key word there for me was like this sense of freedom. I've never really heard that during pregnancy. Like I've never really heard someone describe it as, this sense of freedom. And I don't know if it's because of like my past and I'm not exactly sure, but for me, it was, I think that would be the biggest surprise. The other thing too, is not even so much pregnancy. It's like after pregnancy, Mm. no one talks about, or not that I've really seen what you really go through, like right, right after. Mm. So yeah, for me, it would, it would be that just like, this really amazing sense of like freedom. I have so many chills when you talk about this. And I I think I'm at first I was worried because I was like, Oh no, like I'm scared that, you know, women are going to be like who didn't have that similar experience or whatever. But on the, actually what I think is happening is that like you sharing this really beautiful experience is so expansive and it allows other women, whether it's their first pregnancy, their second, their fourth, whatever, to go in with like a different expansive story, you know, within their heads. And I think that that is so beautiful and what is so important about, you know, women being open about their experiences. So I I don't know. I just wanted to, (laughs) to share kind of my experience listening to your story. It, it makes me feel very, very excited in like a different way for that experience for myself, like being able to know that like it can be a super healing and freeing experience. So I love that so much. And I honestly, like I love that for you and I love that for everyone hearing Mm -hmm. and listening because I do think that every single woman's experience is going to be very different. Mm -hmm. And it's not that like I'm here to like sugarcoat it and be like, Oh my gosh, it was this perfect, amazing, blissful experience. There was like obviously days that were trying and mm-hmm. times where, you know, you get to like the very end and you're like, okay, like <laughs> I'm tired. This I'm ready you know, to yeah. have this child. But I do think there is this emphasis on pregnancy and childbirth mm-hmm. and, you know, the aftermath that is, very much fear related. And I don't know if there's some sort of hidden agenda or some sort of marketing scheme. Mm-hmm. I haven't really figured it out, but it, if we are like living in that constant state of, you know, fight or flight prior to tr- getting pregnant and then during our pregnancy and then after, all I can think of is that, you know, your child is absorbing that before it's born Mm -hmm. and you know they are holding that fear and that anxiety because they love you and they they want to protect you Mm -hmm. just as much as you love and want to protect them even before they're born Mm -hmm. so you're working together 
they, mm-hmm. it's not that like your experience is going to be your experience. And some people made a, might've not had a, a great experience, but that happened for you, not to you. And I think mm-hmm. there's so much to be learned from that. And your next experience can be amazing. And if it's not another pregnancy, that pregnancy taught you something about what is for you next and what is going to happen for you next. And I I don't know, I just don't want, uh, I don't want to leave people with this fear that is really, really pumped into society Mm -hmm. um, nowadays when it comes to, you know, pregnancy and post-pregnancy. And Yeah. yeah, it's just not a really great thing. That is beautifully said. So are you open to sharing um, a summarized version of your birth story and what that was like bringing Simona into the world, especially not having a birth plan? I think that would be really expansive for some people to hear. Yeah, definitely. I Every single birth story, I will say too, is so fun to read and I loved reading birth yeah. stories and hearing them. Uh-huh. I wish mine was like super exciting. It's very, <laughs> uh, it was... I guess it was exciting for me because I don't have, uh, I mean, this incredibly exciting life, but I will start from the beginning. And basically I went, well, not basically, I did go 41 weeks and four days. So I was overdue and it was actually my husband and I's wedding anniversary is July 14th and Simona was born on the 15th. So it was the, and I'm going to be like, I don't know, open, very open here. So the 14th, um, that night. So Justin and I had been a a good amount of time. We had not been sexually active. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you get to the end, things (laughs) just don't look and feel the same. Right. So I was like, we are getting this baby out. Um, you don't have a choice. We are doing the deed and we're doing it tonight. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. <laughs> I was, like I said, very overdue. Happy and anniversary. So <laughs> exactly. That's you. <laughs> and it was about 10 PM that night and all was good. We did it. <laughs> I'm okay, the baby is coming tonight. And everyone kept being like, you just have to have sex. You just have to have sex. And mm-hmm. I'm like, really? Like, is that going to be the only thing that's going to make this work? And lo and behold, no four way. hours later, it was like about almost 2 a.m. in the morning. I started to have contractions and I will be super honest. I had no idea what contractions were going to feel like. I had no prior Braxton Hicks or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I This was like a brand new experience for me. So around 2 a.m. comes and the contractions start and I get up and I give myself about 45 minutes to an hour and then I wake Justin up and I'm like we need to go and he's like okay and me I don't know I wasn't like timing my contractions I didn't have like a doula I didn't have any any prior experience I didn't do any research I was honestly like gone in this so (laughs) blind so we go to the hospital and this is obviously during COVID so things look like a little bit different but I were in triage and I did have an OB so I went the OB route not the midwife route but um we're in triage and they check me and I'm only two centimeters dilated and I'm I'm dying like the Mm. pain is so bad I guess I don't have a really good pain tolerance. Anyways, they go forward with giving me, and like this come, this is coming from a girl who like, I don't even take Tylenol. So mm. at this point I did not care. It was like, give me all the drugs. I had morphine or I got a dose of morphine in my butt. And at this time it's like, 
4.30 in the morning, and the contractions are starting to pick up a little bit, but not enough for them to, like the nurses, to have me stay. So they actually gave me the morphine, and they're like, you're better off going home. Oh, wow. And, like, dealing with the early onset of labor at home. And we only live 10 minutes away from the hospital. So Justin and I went home and he went to bed and I like basically labored by myself. I was in and out of the bath. Mm. I remember like juicing um, pineapple juice because I was told that pineapple softens your cervix. So I'm like, I'm going to juice this pineapple. Mm -hmm. And I was like in and out of the bath on the couch. And then by 9.30 a.m., I woke Justin up again and I was like, we, this is it. Like I'm, I was like, I was in so, so much pain. Mm. That's another thing. Like it's painful, but it's just, it's not a pain that you can explain. And it, the contractions, like they come on so, so strong and then they leave and then they come again. It's such a tease. So I, I just felt like we needed to go. So we went back to the hospital around 9 30, 10 and the doctor checked me and I was six centimeters dilated. Oh, so wow. I had gone from Yes, from two to six centimeters pretty quick, and they were surprised. So I get admitted, and we're in the room, and I'm, I'm almost at seven centimeters, and I and at this point, I needed the epidural. Like, it was not even a question. Mm-hmm. I was gripping that bed so hard and crying so, mm-hmm. like, just the pain crying and just so much emotion and holding on to that bed for dear life like so much so that like the next day I couldn't even lift my arms but we can get there Mm. I that epidural got the epidural and it was the best most life-changing experience ever and I mean I know those are some like heavy drugs which they were and they I would never take that back like I would get that epidural 5,000 times over mm. and it from that that point I got the epidural at around 12 because the anesthesiologist was obviously running late so I had to wait like 45 minutes on those were the worst 45 minutes mm. of my life but I got the epidural and then from one to six I literally literally chilled I had all of the apple juice and like Justin and I were in the room together and I remember him and I both saying like, I cannot believe this is childbirth right now. Like, I cannot believe we're gonna have a baby. Like anytime now, this is amazing. Like I was so happy. He was so Mm -hmm. happy. We were just, honestly, there's no other way to explain it, but just straight chilling for five hours. And it's like, for me, I got to enjoy the experience because my epidural was good. I could feel my legs. I could feel when I needed to push. So that's lovely. It was six o'clock p.m. now at this point in time and they were like okay you're finally it took me a long time though to get from seven to ten centimeters it took almost five hours and when the time came to push I could still feel like when I needed to push and I could be guided and I felt things but there was no pain I it's just crazy how there's just no pain and again we didn't know the sex so that was the most thrilling exciting Mm. time ever it's just like you have you just don't know so they pull her out and they put her on me and I just remember I'm hysterically crying like shaking crying I because I know some women give birth and they don't cry and I'm like wow I was just full tears Mm -hmm. and Justin and I I kid you not for the first like 
two minutes, maybe minute, because it seems like forever. We didn't even, we weren't even like, what's the sex? Is it a boy or is it a girl? Like, we didn't say anything. We're just staring at each other and staring at her. And you have this baby on you and nothing matters at that point. It doesn't matter if it's a boy or if it's a girl. It just doesn't even matter. And the nurse was like, what is it? Yeah. And you're like, we just, in this moment, we don't really care. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And we because so many people are like oh yeah it's like all you want to know is like if it's a boy or it's a girl and I'm like honestly we waited nine months to find out and it was not even a question when mm. they pull that video out I'm not thinking is it a boy or is a girl I'm like this is a miracle it doesn't yeah. it didn't matter so wow. so yeah Simona was obviously on earth side with us and you know the doctors and respiratory therapists and everyone is like in the room and they do whatever they have to do but I will say I had to, there was forceps that had to help me get her out. Mm -hmm. And uh, she was a very small baby. She was only five pounds, 12 ounces, and still her being small um, right at the end before like she finally came out, her heart rate was dipping. So the OB didn't feel comfortable, you know, risking that. And they were like, I think we are going to use some help here. We're going to use the forceps. So this might not be something that a lot of women want to hear, but it was it was graphic and I I used a mirror too. That was a cool experience. Oh, that is cool. Yeah. I got to see, um, her actually come out and Justin was like right down in there almost probably too much. So I'm like, buddy, like, what are you doing? (laughs) But honestly, I was just like so happy and in no pain. So I could care less. You're like, do what you want. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. But, um, so I did care quite bad. I had, close to 30 stitches and I had a almost a it was about a grade three tear so um after the epidural wore off and yeah the drugs were off it was uh it was a lot Mm. to see and to take on and to you're just like wow but again after you give birth it's like I cannot believe that this little tiny human was inside of me and Mm. now they're here it's just the most incredible experience yeah. and something that's really really hard to put into words but I think that sometimes it's better to not put it into words and sure. just to like feel what it feels like yeah yeah absolutely so life with Simona now have you I'm curious have you felt the need to I guess I'll say it this way have you felt the need to redefine who you are as a person since becoming a mother or do you still in many ways still feel like the same Danielle prior to having her I definitely do not feel like the same Danielle. I definitely don't feel like I needed to like redefine who I was though. I just think that I became a mom and I always, you know, thought that I was going to struggle with like having, you know, I'm a mom and then I have this business and then I have, you know, like these titles. And now I just feel like I, I don't even need a title. Like it's just being a mom is obviously an amazing thing and it's, it's beautiful and I love it, but I don't know. I just feel like a completely new Mm -hmm. self and it almost feels like I've always been this person and she's like helped me just become more me. Oh yeah. Yeah. I don't even really know again how to like reframe that into words, but Mm -hmm. I definitely don't think that I've 
felt a need to redefine who I am. I just keep stepping into who I always thought I was going to become. Mm, That's beautiful. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. So what about your lifestyle then, like your morning meditation, your juicing, your self-care? How has this adjusted, if at all? I, I ask this because I think we hear so much about you know, your life getting flipped upside down or your needs take a backseat and you have always been so in touch and in tune with your practices. And I'm sure people are wondering how that's transformed or what those experiences have been like for you and what they look like now. For sure. I think that that's like another thing that again, along with what we were prior, like speaking about prior to this, Mm -hmm. There's like a lot of like fear where like you have this child and you're like, and so many people are like, oh no, wait till you have a kid that's going to change or wait till they get this age and that yes, will change. And totally. it's all in like negative ways. Yeah. Um, for me, it's like the beginning, like mind you, my healing physically, that healing took a while and it was painful. Like I couldn't even sit for, you know, mm. weeks. It was, it wasn't great, but you just look at this child and you're like, it doesn't matter mm-hmm. because this miracle is in your life. And, you know, my life has changed, but not in a way that seems like undoable or like that it was flipped upside down and that like it, it, it is flipped upside down, but in like such a good way. Like I have so much more like love in my life and mm. I have so much more like love to give because she's expanded my heart in so many ways. Yeah. So with that being said, I have more love to give myself as well. And I know that maybe things aren't or things don't happen um, the the way they used to happen. So, you know, I might not be on a regiment like I was before where I, you know, had more time to do everything was about me. And now it's about her and me. So uh, things haven't really changed, though. Like, I still do my morning juice. If you follow me on Instagram, Mm -hmm. you'll miss that and I still do my meditations are they look a little bit different because you know I did always say I'm never ever going to you know give up my morning meditation and now sometimes that doesn't happen but that doesn't mean that I'm not showing up for myself I just do it at a different time in the day right and you know you give yourself more grace when you become a mom because you have to I mean things obviously she's a priority and in the beginning like beginning beginning newborn stage I, I would say that is the biggest shift, but even now she's seven months and, you know, there's some nights that like last night I didn't really get a lot of sleep. She was up however many times. And then there's some nights that she sleeps like an absolute angel, but I don't know. I feel like there's so many teachable moments when Mm -hmm. you become a mom and it just teaches you so many things and cracks you open in so many ways that like my self care is now changing and evolving based on what she teaches me. That is so well put. Yeah, absolutely. So I love so much how you share your difficult days on Instagram. They are so, I don't even know how to explain it, but like the other day, it was like a few days ago, there was like a picture of you and Simona like on a sidewalk or something. And you were just talking about how it was like a really hard day. And, you know, with social media, it can be such a highlight reel. But when it comes to motherhood and parenting, I think it's so important and crucial that there's honest air around this subject and that even the most grounded self-aware humans can struggle. So can you talk with us a bit more about this, some of those struggles that you've, that you've encountered? 
Definitely. So I'll use like the example of let's say breastfeeding, because I think that was one thing that I really, really struggled with in the beginning. Mm -hmm. And it's just such, again, it was just such a teachable moment for me because, or not moment, months, because it took me Mm -hmm. three months to get breastfeeding down. And I will say that, you know, she wasn't latching. And then doctors would tell me it's because, you know, she's not fully developed because she was tiny around her mouth and, you know, so many things, all of the things that I needed to do again, it was like, I needed to take these supplements. I needed to pump this many times a day. I needed to eat more calories, Mm. all these things coming in. Like I needed, needed to just all this noise. And while experts are amazing, I was no longer listening to myself. I let all of this noise come in and I completely let go of my own intuitive Mm. thought and what I felt I needed to do. I wasn't feeling anything because I was just listening to everything else that was coming in. Mm -hmm. And I struggled for a good three months. And then one day it just sort of hit me and I realized I'm like, I'm taking these supplements and I'm like eating all of this food I don't even like. And I'm driving myself crazy because I'm no longer listening to me. And I just, that was a perfect prime example of being in this like constant state of fight or flight and absorbing this noise that did nothing but a disservice to me. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that for me, it can be used as an example for so many people. It doesn't have to be breastfeeding and it doesn't have to, you're not even, you don't have to be a mother to experience this. But like when you are allowing certain things in your life and you are in this constant state of fight or flight, that's a time to run, fight and hide. That's not a time for to make breast milk for me, Mm. for example, and for whatever it is, it could be something different for some other person. But I really had like an aha moment. And it's, it's incredible what happened when I was like, I'm going to go back to eating what I want and Mm -hmm. eating how I typically would have ate. And I'm going to stop supplementing with these supplements that were supposed to make breast milk. And I'm going to just relax and come back to being with myself. And lo and behold, my milk started to come in. And I, again, I had it, I had to trust myself. Like Mm -hmm. this is, we have this innate ability to create breast milk. And I know some people, some women can't, and if you choose not to, that's totally okay. And I'm not trying to push breastfeeding on anyone. I'm just saying that was my Mm -hmm. uh, experience. And that was like a really big struggle for me. So, but again, I wasn't listening to myself and I wasn't trusting myself. And I I actually spoke about that today on Instagram, because if we're not trusting ourselves, how do we expect our children to trust? Absolutely. And I think what you're saying is like, is so profound and so beautiful. And like you said, it's not just about pregnancy. It's like with everything in life, I think sometimes we can get so caught up in like, you know, booking the healers or like only listening to the doctors or only listening to what we see online when we are the expert on our own life. And within your case, it's like it's you and Simona. It's you and your baby that are in this group together and you guys need to trust yourselves. And it sounds like you guys definitely found your flow, which is I love that story. Thank you for sharing that. Oh, you're welcome. And just one other thing, too. I think it's a lot scarier to have to listen to yourself oh, yeah. than it is to listen to the opinion of, you know, an expert or a doctor or a healer. Yeah. You know, like 
there's something about, you know, really, again, be like being cracked open and listening to that voice. Mm -hmm. It's, it's really, it can be super uncomfortable and unfamiliar for us. So that's why, you know, listening and the change that we're trying to make becomes or is hard because it's just, it's not something that we're used to. And again, you have to really start to get comfortable with being uncomfortable, especially when you enter a new journey like motherhood. Mm, Yeah, that's beautifully put. So with your approach to radical self-acceptance, I have to imagine you must be both so excited and yet probably a little terrified to be raising a little human and to be able to teach her these beautiful practices. So how do you intend on doing this? So I think for me, I it's like how I intend to teach her is how I would intend to teach anyone. It's mm. just through example. Yeah. Like me taking care of myself and me showing love to myself and showing love to everyone around me and just to show up for me so that she can do the same. And Carl Jung, I believe he has the best quote. It's the biggest burden a child can bear is an unlived life of a parent. Oh, wow. And when I read that, it struck me so hard because for me, like I have to live my life for me so I can allow her the same. And again, it's so romanticized, like Mm -hmm. women, especially like them suffering or them, us, I should say, you know, having to basically love more on others and less on ourselves and showing others more and less on of ourselves. You know, that's the way society has framed motherhood as, you know, really showing up. And I just could disagree with that. I'm so happy you brought that up. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it is. And prior to even having a child, I never thought about this, but now that I do have her, I just, it really, it's just been a really aha moment and a big awakening for me to truly realize that, you know, as mothers, it is so empowering to show up for yourself. It is so empowering to put yourself first because really if we're not taking care of ourselves um, in all aspects, then how do we expect our children to do the same? They are just mirrors and Mm -hmm. they absorb all of our energy and it is easier said than done, but that's why, you know, it is essential that we do the work so that they can be the best they can be. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure there are some people who hear that and are like, oh my gosh, that's so much pressure. But like, I invite anyone listening who's having that response to instead flip that, flip that mind frame. It's like an invitation, right? It's like this really beautiful invitation to, to really just tap into your, to your true nature and have fun with it. You know, like you said, like live the life that you want to live and just let that lead by example. Yeah, it doesn't definitely. have to be and scary. It feel like a lot of pressure, but on the other hand, you know, I think of someone like my mom and who had four children and she was so selfless and gave up everything for her children because she was told that in order to be a good mom and in order to love 
you needed to give up your life. Right. And now, you know, she didn't know any better and mm-hmm. she did the best that she could with what she has. And she was a phenomenal mom and she was amazing, but she now is struggling mm-hmm. that, you know, we've all left the house and we all have, you know, our own lives. And she says it all the time. Like I, you, you children, my children were my life and yeah. they can be your life, but you also need your own life mm-hmm. outside of, just being a mom. And I mean, that's just my personal opinion, but Absolutely. I, uh, I think that we can like, as a new coming generation flip that switch for all moms and mm-hmm. just all women moving forward. Absolutely. Yeah. Just like remembering that you, aside from motherhood, aside from partnership, you have a purpose as an individual yes. human. Yeah. So As we wrap up, I'd love to ask just a few more questions that I know our listeners will be curious to hear about. So are you open to that? Oh, yeah. Okay, great. What is your morning routine and rhythm like now that you have Simona? How has that changed? So she is up around 5, 45, 6, and she sleeps in a crib, and then around that time she'll wake up and I bring her into bed with us. Mm -hmm. I know this is not a popular opinion. It does not matter. (laughs) (laughs) but uh so she'll be in our bed and she'll fall like I feed her and then she falls back asleep um for about another like hour hour and a half and then we have a lot of just like snuggle time in the morning Mm still she's only seven months so she's still all like snuggly and you know not moving too too much Mm -hmm. in the morning and then I try to be off technology for at least a good hour or two in the morning and we just have have our time together and then now that she is seven months if I'm like just again breastfeeding asks a lot from from you physically so I'm like dying of thirst the second I wake up in the morning too so we'll I drink a big glass of lemon water in the morning and then we start um juicing and now she's like eating some solids so uh we juice we both juice and she has a little bit of juice now and yeah it's it's so fun experimenting and like seeing her reactions Mm -hmm. to different foods it uh honestly is like the best time of the day and yeah so we'll have a little bit of breakfast and I typically eat a light breakfast um usually just like fruit something along those lines Mm -hmm. and then we again either go for a walk after depending on the weather here if um, we're just feeling something a little bit more lax then I will play a meditation that will be a time where I play the meditation she's either like winding down getting ready for like a nap or she'll be up and I just play the meditation Mm -hmm. and whatever happens sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't yeah and um, my husband work he works uh different hours so sometimes he's home for lunch Mm -hmm. and and we get to like make lunch together but basically our mornings are just snuggles with Simona meditating juice and sometimes me trying to get in like a few work emails but we're in Europe right now so um back home North America yeah they are like up and at them around you know three o'clock my time or two o'clock my time so it actually is really given us um a nice morning yeah that's lovely like um, yeah what is the biggest blessing about motherhood I would just say the awakening of like your true self it Mm. really cracks you open what's the hardest thing about motherhood 
not getting the sleep you used to get. (laughs) (laughs) What's made you cry the most since becoming a mama? Just, um, like, being so grateful for the opportunity to be a mom, I would say good tears and just very, like, emotional. Mm -hmm. The fact that that is even, you know, sometimes I I do have those, like, pinch me moments and, yeah, the tears just, like, honestly, just pure, like, Mm -hmm. gratitude. Yeah. Now, I want to ask this because you are a health coach with a really lovely approach to self-care. So what would you say to the mothers who are struggling with their new body? I would say that, and I've spoken about this before, that if you learn to love yourself and accept yourself at each stage Mm. and surrender to that time, then, and just really surrender to it. Like this isn't a forever thing, but if we're, if you're not allowing yourself to be exactly where you are and accept yourself and your body exactly as it is in this time, then it's not going to morph into something that you feel beautiful in. Mm -hmm. And the more you can just be with what is, the more of what you want can transpire. Oh, that's beautifully put. So do you have any advice for balancing hormones during pregnancy or after? This is a... Again, this is not necessarily something that I, I feel like hormones are such a, a, like a confusing topic because even now I'm like, I don't know if my hormones are balanced. I think Mm -hmm. they are like, Mm -hmm. I don't. uh, And then like, even prior to getting pregnant, I feel like a lot of women are like, well, my, my hormones need to be perfectly balanced. Mm And I would say to just be really honest with you, like, it's not something that I even ever think about. Mm-hmm. I never think about like if they are balanced or not. I just think about myself, like how am I feeling? Mm-hmm. Because I do really feel like you can throw those hormones off by thought alone. So if we're constantly stressing about the fact that our hormones are balanced, then in turn, we get unbalanced hormones, if that makes sense. But I will say, reach out to like functional medicine doctors or something like someone who could really understand hormones better than someone like me. Because yeah. I don't, I feel like my advice would seem too simple. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I said. Yeah, I, so it's, it's the same and not, but I froze my eggs this past summer and okay. definitely went through some big hormonal shifts. And yeah. I, I truly resonate with what you just said because there came a point where, you know, months after I still was like feeling kind of, out of alignment with my body where I was like, oh my gosh, they're still totally surging through my body. I know they are. And eventually I just had to collapse and surrender to it and be like, you know what? I'm just going to meet myself where they're at. I need to stop putting so much negative, like negativity around, um, the fact that my body is like doing something super different right now. Um, and I think that that alone is really beautiful guidance and advice just to, you know, um, let go of that like negative connotation with your hormones being all over the place. It's just like a part of the journey. Definitely. And I think it's such a, uh, like a topic right now too, like mm-hmm. women's hormones and women's hormone health mm-hmm. is there's so much information out there. So really like taking in what you can yeah. and like leaving behind what doesn't necessarily feel good too as advice. Cause I feel like we can just get 
bombarded constantly with all this information. And then you're left with all of these things that you should be doing. And then you've sort of, you're not listening to yourself again. You're back to like all of the shoulds and yes, right. how things need to be feeling within your body. Right. What do you want to tell the mothers out there who are struggling to hold on to their own self-identity? Hmm. I, I would say that the best advice I could give is to show up for yourself every single day do something that feels good mm. for you mm-hmm. every single day. And whether, you know, that's like two minutes of deep breathing or maybe it's a 10 minute bath or, you know, maybe it's napping when your child's napping mm-hmm. or whatever it is, just taking those like micro moments to just show up for yourself and doing something that feels good for you mm-hmm. because those do add up over time and they for will sure make a difference. Yeah. I love that. And the first thing that came to mind too, when you said that was like doing something that you did prior to being a mother, you know, to like mm-hmm. reinvigorate that like connection to self. Yeah, um, definitely. Even if it's something like as cliche, not cliche isn't the right word, but like going to get your nails done or something, you know, just doing something well, that sort of lights you up and exactly. makes you feel like yourself. Mm-hmm. And whatever it is that may, I think too, you know, when it comes to self-care, there's not like a list, right. you know, someone else's self-care could be drinking a beer, you know, and that could yeah. look really good for them. Yeah. So whatever it is that honestly is going to just make you feel good, um, do that. Yeah. So lastly, where can people find you who want to get in touch with you? So there's two places. I would say the best spot and where I spend most of my time would be Instagram and mm-hmm. that is at the mindful blonde. And then I have a website, which is www.themindfulblonde.com. And yeah, those would be definitely the places uh, to check out first and foremost. Awesome. Danielle, thank you so much for being so open and just sharing your wisdom with us yet again. I know so many will benefit from your transparency and just your gentle guidance. I'm so grateful. Thank you so much. And thank you so, so much for having me. It really, truly means the world. Uh, I hope that you loved that episode as much as I loved recording it with Danielle. I was so excited to have her back. I just really value her approach and her overall realness and just gentle, loving nature with everything that she does. Um, Again, I spoke with Danielle and, you know, I'm not a mother, but I still felt so pulled to talk about this conversation um, as a means to just like crack some of the taboo subjects that go on with motherhood and pregnancy um, and the identity to self when this new chapter occurs. Um, And I think there's something for us to take away regardless of where we are in our in our lives, on our paths. Um, If you love this episode, I would absolutely love to hear from you. You can just screenshot and tag both myself and Danielle at The Mindful Blonde um, and just let us know your thoughts. We absolutely love that so much. And um, it's a really beautiful way to share the podcast and let people know that you're listening. You can also leave a quick rating and review if you feel so called. Um, That just really helps to uh, organically grow the podcast and get it in the laps of those who need it most. So I am always just so grateful for your support. Um, You guys keep this podcast up and running. I am inspired because of you. So thank you so much. And I'll see you back here next week. Thank you.